0: I actually don't think that I felt any older in my life than I have today, and let me tell you why. Uh, I was doing some simple math because I was trying to figure out uh, what the youngest person in here, how old you would be. And I'm assuming it's 18, right? Is there anybody younger than 18 in here? No. So if you're 18, uh, if you are 18 just today, you would have had to have been born May 4th, 2003, and I was just graduating from high school in 2003, and so I'm like, oh my God, like that was the first time I'm like, I'm old. Like I'm married and I have kids, but I've always thought of myself as like the young dad, and now I'm like, oh, nope, that's not it. Uh, And so I was graduating from high school at that point, but the reason I was checking that math was because I was going to ask if anybody went and saw, uh, this is going to date me, like I said, I'm old, if anybody went and saw Aladdin, the cartoon, in theaters like I did back in 1992, that probably didn't happen for anybody else except for the leaders back there. Uh, but anywho, I did. I went and saw Aladdin in theaters in 1992. And there's this really uh, fascinating scene that happens in Aladdin. Now, you have, who has seen Aladdin here? Has ever, Everybody's seen Aladdin, right? Who, I want to know who hasn't seen Aladdin so I can point you out. Nobody. Peter, you haven't seen Aladdin? Oh my gosh. Okay, so in the movie Aladdin, as you guys know, uh, Aladdin gets tricked by Jafar, who's in disguise to go into the Cave of Wonders and grab the lamp for him, the magical lamp. Now, when they do, uh, there's this. they go out to the sand, and there's this giant tiger that appears, and he says something crazy. I don't remember. But I remember as a kid being like terrified and being scared of this giant tiger uh, who is opening his mouth and they're going to walk in uh, and look for this lamp. Now as they go in, it's Aladdin and his monkey Abu and they meet a magic carpet down there. But while they're down there, Abu is like enticed by every single piece of treasure down in the Cave of Wonders. So much so, That, you know, the rules said, do not touch anything but the lamp, otherwise you will perish. Abu picks up this giant gem, and Aladdin sees him, and I can just, like, hear him go, Abu, no! And he grabs it, and then the tiger yells, infidels! You, what does he say? Infidels, you've touched the forbidden treasure! And it's so vivid in my mind, so vivid in my memory, we see that Abu is consumed By this treasure that he just can't help himself. He can't resist and it overtakes him and he misses out on the big picture, which is to get the lamp, get the genie. Now, this is just a silly pop culture reference to what we actually experience today and what we see happen in the Bible. Now, we see this in a few different stories. Now, Adam and Eve, the Garden of Eden, the serpent tricks them uh, into eating the fruit. They know, they still know what they're doing. They're, they're tricked, but they still know what they're doing, and they eat the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Thus, sin enters the world. King David, uh, I think Steve just talked about him, uh, he sleeps with this beautiful woman he sees bathing on the rooftop who's not his wife and is actually somebody else's wife. He's overcome and obsessed by this, so much so that he then has like her husband killed, he gets her pregnant, and then the like the kid dies. It's this crazy roller coaster story uh, about obsession. And then we also see Judas, who sells out Jesus for thirty pieces of silver. The Savior of the world. This guy who had been following him uh, and saw all of his miracles happen, uh, heard all of his teachings, and yet he still sold him out for thirty pieces of silver. I did the math on this today, too. I just looked it up just to see what it was. Uh, And, you know, some scholars kind of disagree, but there were about 14 ounces in a piece of silver. And an ounce is about 56 cents today. So the value of it would have been about $235.20. Can you imagine? And that's adjusting for inflation and everything. Back then, I mean, however much that would have been, it would have been like if you sold out Jesus today for $200. That's insane. Now, it may be easy for us to look at these stories and say, I would never do that. That wouldn't be me. But I want to show you a story about Lot and show you that it's actually in our sinful nature to crave these kinds of things. And the slow and easy process it is that it takes to get there. And just how dangerous these enticements can become. Now, let me give you a little backstory. God calls a man named Abraham, Abram at that time, he then changes his name later, to set out for a land, and God will make a great nation in this land from Abram's, or Abraham's, offspring. All of his kids, and his kids' kids, and his kids' kids' kids. Now, Abraham is rich. I mean, wealthy. He has like 300 people, plus people working for him. Uh, for his household and his livestock, he's got so much livestock. He's got this enormous, like, I, I, I don't know, everything. He owns everything. He's wealthy. Uh, and he sets out, and he brings his wealthy nephew, Lot. Lot is also very wealthy. He also has many servants and a giant household and lots of livestock. Now, when you hear nephew, you may think, oh, like a little guy, little, my little nephew. I have a little nephew, Jacob. That's who I think of. But Abraham was 75 years old. And at this point, Lot was a grown man with a wife and two daughters. They set out on this journey to go to the land that God has promised them where they will have a great nation. And while they are traveling, they travel through Egypt. And we get the picture that Lot may be kind of enamored with the city life and its civilization. He gets his first taste of what will draw him to his obsession. And then we see in Genesis 13 that there is this contention that happens between Abraham and Lot. The workers uh, for Abraham and the workers for Lot are fighting over where the animals get to graze, what parts of this land that they're currently staying at is theirs, uh, and like the, you know, whose, whose cows get to eat where. Those, those were the, the big problems back then. Whose cows get to eat where. So they have this big uh, brouhaha, and Abraham and Lot get together, and they talk, uh, try to talk it out, but they have contention too. And there is so much land, and they say, let's just divide it up. Abraham says, we're just going to divide the land, and you're going to take a side, and I'm going to take a side. Now, Abraham gives Lot first dibs. You have to understand culturally, Abraham, as the elder... And as like the, the patriarch of this makeshift family, because uh, Lot's dad actually died a while ago, so he took Lot kind of under his wing in mentorship a little bit. Uh, Abraham, as the elder, would have had first dibs on who gets what piece of land. But he offers up the choice to Lot. He says, Lot, you choose. This is our, this is our beef. I want you to choose first. Now, here's the first time where we see Lot really be uh, enticed by the riches of the world. Lot, also knowing the cultural standard, he should have given up the best uh, land to Abraham, right? He should have said, okay, this side looks the best, this side looks a little bit less good, so you take that side. But Lot instead takes the best one. He sees Uh, In Genesis 13.10, it says, He lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain from, from Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere, like the garden of the Lord, like the garden of Eden, like the land of Egypt. So Lot chose for himself all of the Jordan Valley, and Lot journeyed east. So Abraham's like, choose. And Lot goes, the biggest one. I want the best one. Can you imagine going with like your relative. Your relative's like, hey, come with me. We're going to go get a, a new house. And then he's like, just kidding. There are two houses. They're both great. This one's really big. This one's pretty big. Which one do you want? And you're like, I'll take the really big one. You sucker can have the other big one. That's what Lot does. He takes the biggest piece for himself. Just yesterday, oh, I'm going to get riled up just talking about this. But just yesterday, my daughters... I have a, I have a, how old are they? They they are six and four. And they fought like Thor and Hulk over who gets which booster seat in the car. And I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? So I, I, and I lost it. I yelled and I apologize later for yelling, but the booster seats are the same. They're on two different sides of the car, They're like a little bit different colored. They both have cup holders. They're fighting over cup holders. I'm like, you both have cup holders and you don't even have cups. (laughs) So they're fighting over these booster seats and it's driving me bonkers. For whatever reason, I cannot wrap my brain around. They fight over who gets to sit on what side. It's selfishness. We want the best thing for ourselves, right? It's in our selfish nature. It's that I deserve the best one. I need the best phone. I need the newest clothes. I need the best car. I need the best status, the highest job. I need to make the most money. Now, some of those things you may be like, oh, that's kind of silly. But you have to understand, not everybody deals with the same thing. I will tell you for myself that I am drawn to technology. And if I see a new iPhone come out, I'm like, oh, I got to have that. Their advertisements are pretty cool. This, the features are fun. That's what draws me in. That may not be for you, but everybody has something that draws them in. And we have the attitude, I deserve it. And this is where we see with Lot, the enticement starts. We can get so focused and zone in, zoned in on fill in the blank for whatever entices you, that it starts to cloud our original intention. Lot was supposed to go with Abraham to start this God-given nation. And he gets sidetracked by a separate selfish goal. They don't go together anymore. Now they're divided. And now they're on two different pieces of land. Now, there was a city called Sodom. And it was known as a wicked and godless city. And I'll show you in just a little bit how depraved it was. But Lot knew this. Lot knew that the city of Sodom was wicked and depraved and full of godlessness. But he still, on that side of the land, pitches his tent kind of close to the city. Now, at first, you're kind of like, well, I don't see what's wrong with that. He's just pitching his tent. This is where he's living. But you'll see the progression here. It was still within walking distance. And soon we see that, as time goes on, he actually moves his tent right next to the city. And then... In no time, all of a sudden, he's inside the city. And then, as he's inside the city, he becomes one of its leaders. He becomes a big, prominent business leader inside the city of Sodom. This godless, wicked city. He becomes a part of it. He slowly tiptoed himself into it. That goes from living outside of godlessness to being fully immersed in it, and now he's a part of it. I always say this, but Satan is a master of subtlety. It's not a switch that just happens. It's not all of a sudden like, I'm in sin now. Like, all of a sudden, like, I was good, and now I'm in sin. It's this subtle slope, and you don't even know that it's a slope. You don't even know that it's happening. I'll give you some examples, and maybe this will hit home. Maybe you're dating somebody. And it goes from zero to ten all of a sudden. Not all of a sudden. Subtle subtly. That's the wrong choice of words. Where you're, you know, it's a it's like, oh, this is this is what God intended. We're just holding hands. This is great. I really like this person. And I'm just being real. As time goes on, all of a sudden, you're in a place where you're taking your clothes off. And you're like how did I get here? And I know because I've been there. I've been in that spot. Maybe you're hanging out with a group of friends that aren't good for you. All of a sudden, you're saying things or doing things or going places that you shouldn't be. Maybe you're 21 and out for a drink, and all of a sudden, those drinks turn into a lot of drinks, and that becomes a part of your life. Maybe you're not 21 and that's happening. Maybe it's a substance that you know you shouldn't even be touching or thinking about. And all of a sudden you're hooked and can't wait for your next high. There's so many things in this world that can hook us and steer our focus in the wrong direction. Now, maybe, just maybe, as I'm saying this, you haven't even realized it until right now. And you're like, oh crap, that's me. Or maybe you've known for some time, and you've needed this moment to hear it out loud. Maybe you know where you need to be focused, and you are in a small form of denial, and say, and you're like, oh, that's, that's not me. I don't, I don't deal with that. When in fact it is, and your awareness is gone. I truly believe that happens with lot. Because the Bible called him righteous. And I'm going to show you how far he goes. In Genesis 19, it says that God sent two angels. Now, remember, Lot is living in the city. He has a wife. He has two kids. And he's fully immersed in this city. That is just completely the opposite of who God is. Genesis 19 Says that God sent two angels to destroy Sodom, the city where Lot was living. They came to Lot's house, and Lot is so excited. He knows exactly who they are. He knows that they're angels. He knows that they're from God. He's excited. He 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 invites them into his house, and he's like, Let me make a giant feast for you and let's hang out. Now remember that Sodom, Sodom was depraved. Word got out that these angels were in Lot's house. These angels were described as beautiful men. And that night, the Bible says, every man from Sodom, young and old, to the last one, every single man in this city, surrounded Lot's house. Then they yelled, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us. That we may know them. In translation, send these beautiful men out so that we can collectively rape them. That's the type of depravity that this city was dealing with. Now, Lot comes outside to talk to them, he tries to reason with them. And you think, okay, Lot loves the Lord. And there are literally angels with him, so he knows he's safe because God is with him. But even though God's righteous angels are with him, he tries to take care of things on his own. And he tries to compromise instead of letting God himself deal with it. He says, please don't do this. He comes out to them and he's like, please don't do this. And you're like, okay, like I could see myself saying that. Yeah. Let's compromise. Don't do this. But then he goes one step further. He says... Let me give you my two virgin daughters instead. You can do with them whatever you want. What? I I have two daughters. That would never happen. Ever. But here's the thing. He is so far gone. He doesn't even know. Don't rape these angels. Rape my children instead. That... (laughs) That thinking isn't reasonable anymore. Now, thankfully, God knows this, and he intervenes. The angels open the door, grab Lot by the collar, yank him in, and shut the door. And then they cast a blindness on every single man in the city, and it says that the men wear themselves out trying to find the door because they're still trying to get to the angels, but they wear themselves out looking for them. The angels then tell him, It's time to gather your family and leave because we're going to burn this place to the ground. That's my translation, by the way. That's not in the Bible. In verse 15, it says, As morning dawned, the angels urged Lot, saying, Up, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be swept away in the punishment of the city. Verse 16 says, But he lingered. I was reading this this morning. And I was like, "A lot, come on, man. I'm like the guy yelling at the movie screen. What are you doing? Leave. He stays. The angels, God tells him, we're going to burn this place down. You need to go. And he's like, not yet. So the men, the angels, seized him and his wife and his two daughters by the hand It says, the Lord being merciful to him, and they brought him out and set him outside the city. Lot knows the city is literally about to be destroyed. It's literally about to rain sulfur and fire from the sky, and he freaking lingers. His wife and kids are with him. Lot, at this point, had become so consumed with the things of the city, what he has built, the wealth he has accumulated, that he neglects the safety and well-being of himself and his family. The enticements of the world have clouded his judgment, and he can't bring himself to part with them. So maybe you're hearing this and you're thinking, "Yeah, a Lot was messed up, but look, he made it out right. God took care of him right." Yes, but let me tell you some other crazy messed up things that happened afterwards. Lot's lack of trust in God and obsession to control things was then demonstrated by his wife and daughters. When they were told to leave, they said, leave and do not look back. Now that's not like a, don't look back on your stuff. Like it's, it's gonna be gone. It's, it's a command, do not look back. Lot's wife is also so obsessed with what she's leaving, what does she do? She looks back, she turns around, and in that moment is turned into a pillar of salt, a literal pillar of salt. She's too attached, and then poof, she's gone. That doesn't even stop there. His family had so little faith in God providing and protecting that they tried to take things in their own hands because they're obsessed with what the world had to offer. Lot's daughters think that they're the last ones on earth. And so they get Lot drunk and they have sex with him. And yeah, you. And they get pregnant because they think that they have to repopulate the world. They have no faith. They just saw God's angels come and destroy the city, and now they're thinking like, oh, I guess it's up to us now. Not like, oh, I just saw God do some crazy stuff. God's probably going to do more crazy stuff. They're like, nope, that was it. So let's have sex with our dad. That sentence has never been uttered in this church before. What enticements in this world have you? What has your attention? Where is your heart? And what do you treasure? This world has so much to offer that we desire and obsess over that we can lose focus on everything important and end up sacrificing our relationship with God and even our well-being for those things. Maybe you're here, and you don't have a relationship with God. And I want to tell you, I'm so glad you're here. We're all so glad you're here. And because you don't have a relationship with God, maybe that has been your intention from the beginning. Maybe you're here here tonight because you've been searching for that fulfillment. Maybe you're here because you have questions why you don't feel satisfied, why you don't feel fulfilled. Or maybe you've obtained what you've set out for and you don't know why you still feel empty. Ecclesiastes 1 verse 14 tells us that chasing after things this world has to offer is like chasing the wind. It's full of nothingness. It never satisfies. Have you ever bought something that you're really excited about? And you're happy for about three to five days. Then in, after that, in about two weeks, you're like, oh, it's just another stupid thing I own. And then what happens? You want another stupid thing. And if it goes unchecked, you want more, and you want more, and you want more, and you become consumed. There are too many examples to name them all. But God sees you, and God wants to help you. Just as God sent Lot, those two angels, to literally lead him out from his obsession. God wants to give you the power to walk away from yours. And all you have to do is let go. One of my favorite movies of all time. Top Top three is Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Have you guys seen that movie? Again, I'm old. There's this moment at the very end of the movie where they've been searching for the Holy Grail, which is not a a biblical thing, by the way. Just want to let you know, in case you're watching, you're like, where's that in the Bible? They're searching for the Holy Grail that is supposed to give you eternal life. And the girl who Indy is smitten with, uh, she takes the Holy Grail across... Uh, a boundary she's not supposed to. And the ground opens up and she falls into it and the cup falls uh, on the ledge and she's hanging by the ledge, reaching for the cup. And Indy grabs her hand and he's like, Elsa, you have to let go. You have to let go of the grail. And she says, I can almost reach it. I can almost reach it. And he goes, I can't hold onto your hand. Let go. And she keeps reaching And she slips out, and she falls into the abyss, screaming. She's gone. And then what happens? Andy himself falls, and his dad catches him. Now, this is one of the coolest uh, uh, theological uh, parallels I've seen in movies. His father catches his hand, and Andy does the exact same thing. He goes, I can almost reach it. And he's literally, he's touching it with his finger. Just barely, he's trying to move it towards him. And his father says, Junior, I can't hold on. Junior, you have to let go. And he says, I can almost reach it. And then his father calls him by the name that he likes, just like our father calls us by name. He says, Indiana, let go. And in that moment, Indiana Jones looks up at his dad And he realizes that if he continues to reach for this thing, he's going to die. And so he changes his mind, grabs his dad's hand, and then I cry. God is calling you by name, reaching for your hand right now. He's calling you to let go of whatever has your full attention rather than him. Are the enticements of the world holding you back from taking his hand? And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, are you wondering why nothing in this world is satisfying you? John 6.35 says, Jesus said to them, I, Jesus, I, Jesus, am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst you believe in Jesus, you will be satisfied. He can satisfy you if you let go. God's hand is waiting for you. Are you going to let go of everything else and take it?